Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the 23rd edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by, I promise it's not his birthday today, Jaden. No, please don't dox me like that, mate. I, I promised it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and PTA's number one fanboy, a.k.a. Fitzy, a.k.a. Liam. Hey. This is Cinema Effect. That was, a, that was an abrupt transition, I apologise. I feel like I could have done something more natural there, but anyway, whatever. This is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single week. The show posts every Monday. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I recently applied to try and get us on Amazon Music because apparently they're launching a, a podcast thing. So you can get excited for Cinema Effect, you know, mega famous international podcast joining the launch lineup of Amazon Music. Get hyped. Mm. It's going to bring in so many new numbers. <laughs> but, uh, so listen to the show, subscribe and all those things, leave us a rating as always, follow the Instagram page, otherwise Fitzy will cry at night, and remember to submit your questions, comments, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comments section. We read all that stuff at the end of the show. We've got our specific question of next week's show. We'll be reading your answers to that at the end of next week. And the question we're throwing at this week, next week, this week... <laughs> I'm trying to make it not sound confusing, but I really failed. It's really confusing. Every time you try it, it just ends up worse. It does. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. I should just, yeah, I should try and simplify it. Whatever. Put your answer to this question in the comments is all you need to know, okay? What is the worst CGI in a modern big budget film that you've seen? Now, the premise of the question that Jaden presented, we don't want to, you know, not, we're not talking about 80s movies here. We're not talking about shitting on CG from 800 years ago, okay? We're, we're, but we also don't want to be too strict. So just let's talk about in the last 10 to 15 years or so. Let's go with that. We're not being too strict with it. But modern, big budget film, worst CG you've seen, let us know. There could be some fun answers to that, I think. This week we're talking about hunger and, uh, yeah, data dump. Let's get into it. I'll introduce the context to those of you who haven't seen it. Hunger opened uh, at the Cannes Film Festival in 2008 on the 15th of May. The film was directed by Steve McQueen. It was written by Steve McQueen and Ender Walsh. Uh, the film was edited by Joe Walker, um, and he has gone on to become a Danny Villeneuve collaborator editing all his films. Um, as far as I could tell, this was like his first kind of notable project, so good for him. This film led him to go on to edit such works as Blade Runner 2049, so good for him. Uh, the film stars Michael Fassbender, Brian Milligan, Liam McMahon, um, and Liam Cunningham I'll throw in there too. Its genre is a biography drama. It has a runtime of one hour and 36 minutes, and the synopsis is Irish Republican Robbie Sands leads the inmates of a Northern Irish prison in a hunger strike, um, which, yeah, yeah, that really only kind of happens right at the end of the movie and we only really see it from his perspective, but I guess it's accurate. I guess that did happen. Um, how did we feel about hunger? Fitzy, as Steve McQueen's number one fanboy, which I could change the intro to, but I won't, what was your reaction to the movie? Um, yeah, it was really, really great. Um, really brutal um like i was wondering if i could even watch this again in a while just because of like there's just yeah, there's a lot of scenes that are hard to watch in it but i mean it kind of needs to be that way given the context but 
Yeah, it's really uh, like visually unique and just really well told and stuff like that. So, yeah. How about you, Jaden? Um, yeah, pretty similar to what Fitzy said. It's, it's uncompromisingly, you know, it's fierce and in your face and doesn't pull punches. Um, no. And it's, it's, I don't know, like it's, it's, it's like quite often, I, th- I, you know, I think you can criticize the film for being too self-indulgent in, in that, in that kind of thing. But, um, no, I think it worked really well. And I think just the overall product that they achieved is, you know, top notch. I'm with you. I'm with both of you. Um, it was great, dude. That, yeah. I assume we're all, you know, talking about the same thing of just the ending and everything. I guess it was like the last 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was. And boy, they pulled no punches. Holy shit. That was, that is some of the hardest stuff I've ever had to look at in a movie. And yeah, uncompromising, all those synonyms for that word totally apply. Um, the movie had a bit of a slow start for me, I must say. Um, it just took me a while to kind of get right into it, I think. But, um, from when, I guess I would say from when Michael Fassbender appears on screen and like the the moment when they shave him, when he's like taken out of his cell and they shave him, that, that was crazy because I didn't even realize it was him until they, <laughs> until yeah, they took his hair same. off. And I was like, holy yeah. shit, there he is. Um, and then from that moment onwards, I was just, yeah, I was totally enthralled by the movie. But um, no, I thought it was great overall as well. Did you guys realize it was him though? Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was him until I shaved it. I was like, oh, that's him. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, it, but even, for me, like, even the earlier scenes are, like, hard to watch because they got, you know, all the shit on the wall and stuff as, as early yeah. protests. It was, just, like, you know, disturbing as well. Dude, when he first walked into the cell, all I could think about was, uh, from, you know, from transporting the worst toilet in Scotland? Like, oh, that's yeah. what it looked like. Hmm, yeah. That's... I don't, I don't know what that is. Haven't you seen transporting? No, no. no uh, what do you mean? The worst toilet in Scotland? Oh, uh, it's basically just like this one cubicle in like this dodgy ass bar, and it's just the walls are covered in shit. So, uh, yeah, oh, I mean, it, it looks exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. So, I can use my ignorance right now as an excuse to also provide people who haven't seen the movie with a bit of context of the opening, which was the part I found slow a little bit. So, the the cells are covered in their shit, which is horrifying. Like, I almost kind of didn't really comprehend that at first. I was just like, did they smush yeah. food all over the wall or something? Like I was just kind of, that was a concept I've never seen like shit on the wall like that. And that was kind of crazy for me, but I was a bit confused by like, I don't understand the intricacies of like prison life and shit, like what they were doing. Like they were wrapping the shit into little wrappers or something and then eating it. Like I was, what was that about? Do you guys know? I don't really, that was different. those two yeah. prisoners. What they, that, 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 that what he was wrapping in there was a note to smuggle it out, but this shit was just being smeared on the wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's, so the note would have been requesting the radio, I guess. Yeah, maybe or, radio okay. or status on the inside or whatever. You know, sorry. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think there's like communication between like the IRA and them as well in there. You know, right? Because like yes. later in the movie, you see that um, the. I don't know what they call it, like the, you know, the higher-ups or whatever are telling them to stop so they can, like, um, you know, negotiate or whatever. And, mm. uh, yeah, so they're, like, trying to send messages through, like, you know, whatever means they can, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The movie does such a great job of, um, specifically with, obviously, Bobby in the end with his condition, but also just the 
harshness of the prison lifestyle and oh, like pff, I can't get over the shit on the wall. And when they were pouring out the liquid onto the ground, was that like their what was that? Was that like their diarrhea or some shit that they were pouring out? Yeah. Or was that just water? It's like just a, like pissing. It was their diarrhea, yeah. really. Yeah. 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 Jesus. Yeah, that was foul. Yeah. The, the movie does such a great job with um, confronting the audience with all that terrible shit. Um, and the opening twenty minutes, there's just I, I had subtitles on because I learnt my uh, lesson from last week, um, <laughs> and it just has no dialogue whatsoever. Which did find I, I found it a little hard to get into these first two characters, and as a result, but you know, in retrospect, I totally get it, and I think it works for you know what it's going for. Yeah, it doesn't have a little, lot of dialogue, but then you know when you get to the the conversation scene, it's all it's all dialogue. Did you did you you guys watch it on Stan, right? Yeah, I I think I know what you're about to say. Yes. Well, um, because it was a bit like low quality. So oh the audio no just the just the picture for me oh um so I yeah I rented it on YouTube and saw it mainly through there but like when I got to the the conversation scene you know the YouTube didn't have uh captions so I was like I need to switch to Stan to oh, understand what they were saying no. yes the, absolutely and then I switched back so what did, did you, you guys watch it on Stan yeah did you watch it on Stan Jaden I did yeah maybe I just paid that much attention I mean like I'm not my eyes not too keen on those details but like my image was fine but like at times it felt like my audio was like uh i don't really have to describe it kind of sounds like kind of sounds like fitzy when he goes distant on his mic you know that's what that's what it felt like the uh mm. the thing was doing yeah i mean I, i'm down to compare while we're doing it did, <laughs> did either of you on your st- my stand file was messed up clearly because the video was like it, there was leg- the screen was like artifacting and there was weird glitches like actual like it, it i'm not even just talking about like video quality jane like my screen was actually often oh, really? like flashing and shit like little bits and pieces um so i figured that was a problem with the stand file but oh uh, yeah that, that? that didn't happen to me no weird okay no huh. no i guess not i just i just noticed the quality difference in the like opening you know like film for titles and stuff like that like the the letters mm-hmm. are blurry right um, yeah do we take back our uh, stand sponsorship no 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 oh. i had no, a fine you guys can you know drop the drop your 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 pursuit whatever i'm still getting sponsored by them right yeah yeah and there's no way you're getting sponsored without me so i guess you're right yeah. <laughs> well we're all in um yeah i don't it just looks so you know so great and uh i didn't want you know i didn't want to watch this film you know like medium quality or whatever but um yeah i mean one of the things that like had like the like the longest lasting effect on me like still now is that scene of just the 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 prison guard just cleaning up that hallway and you know it's just like what like four or five minutes Uh of him just like you know just sleeping the hallway and like it's just i don't know why but like that like because at first I was like, yeah, it's kind of boring. But like, as, as the scene kept on going, I was like, damn, this is actually like really sick. You know, like not sick, but like, you know, like it works brilliantly, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. I just thought now, like, is that kind of like because of the rhythm that he goes into? It's like, you know how people say in The Shining when, um, you know, Danny is going along with the bicycle and you can hear like the bomb bomb and the bomb bomb, like the, you know, the rhythm yeah. there. Yeah, it's kind of like entrancing to look at or hear for some reason, yeah. and then like 
when he did that, you know, it was like, mm-mm-mm with the, you know, the broom or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, no, for sure. It probably is that. Yeah. I, I just think like the effect that had on me is like really interesting looking back. Just like the way that you slowly grow more engrossed, you know. Damn. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to start negative at all because I thought the movie was great. But that was that was one of the only scenes in the movie where it did lean into the self indulgent side a little bit for me. Where I was just like, okay, I was. It didn't work for me one hundred percent. I was. I was kind of like, this feels a bit much. I'm a bit right. bored right now. But um. Yeah. But you know, I don't want to linger on that at all because I think pretty much everything else I don't feel that way about at all. Yeah, I can. I can see why that. That you know, shot would be boring though. Well, you brought up the scene, of course, the dialogue exchange um, between Dom and Bobby, and I mean, like, you can't just bring it up and we can't move on. We it, This whole review is going to be stilted until we just bring it up, because, holy shit, that was, and yet, I totally get you having to go back to Stanford, Fitzy, because God knows I would be lost without subtitles on it too, but... Um, Though it's one of the best scenes I think I've ever seen in a movie. It's it's perfect, and I could not believe that it lasted seventeen minutes and it just kept going and it kept going and I was enthralled by every second of it, and it was crazy to me. Like I legitimately, I think, I think I paused it maybe four minutes into it or something, and I thought to myself, Jesus, this scene's going for ages. <laughs> I hadn't seen anything yet, and. Uh, to make it clear, sorry, because we we all, of course, know what we're talking about here, but what I'm talking about is a one-take scene, a one-single-shot scene of a conversation uh, between Michael Fassbender's character and, um, and uh, what's his face, Liam Cunningham's character. Yeah. And um, it's just, yeah, this one shot of them, and just the framing of the shot and, and the shadows and the colours is just, yeah, oh, God, it's so good. And they have this conversation um, because he's an inmate and they're, um, I don't know, like he's like visiting him in prison or whatever, and they're having a chat about they're catching up and they're also talking about the hunger strike that's coming. But it's it was so phenomenal. It compl- elevated the movie to such a high level. Um, I never could have seen it coming, but I, I assume you guys would also sing its praises. Yeah, like it just I, – I already knew, you know, that it had that thing in it, like, like the 20-minute, you know, conversations okay. in or whatever. And but it went like super quick because it's like you know it was just so fascinating um you know Liam's what, what was his character's name in the in the movie Dom I think yeah right Dom yeah Dom arguing from this point of like you know this is kind of futile it's not going to change any anything and you know Bobby talking about how meaningful it is to him and everything um and. It's not just that. They also talked about, you know, their histories and, like, you know, their roles and life differences and stuff. It was just mm. really, yeah, went, went by really quick and was really fascinating. Christian Brothers got a shout-out in there. I was like, yay, Eddie Rice, get in there. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, they, things that they'll continue in the future to name after Eddie Rice. But, mm. um, like, obviously, you know, their performances were – Obviously, you know, super impressive. Anyone that can do that is immensely talented. Um, I'll read this trivia first here. So, Hunger is known for its unbroken 17-minute, 10-second continuous shot in which Catholic priest Father Dominic uh, Moran tries to talk to Bobby Sands out of the hunger strike. He and his fellow 75 R A I R A 
AIIRA, obviously, is what they call the IRA members plan to start. The camera remains in the same position throughout the scene to prepare. Liam Cunningham moved into Michael Fassbender's apartment and they rehearsed the scene 12 to 15 times per day. On the first day of filming, the actors got it perfect after four takes. That's mm. some commitment to your craft right there. God. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. Just realizing now, like, you know, that they actually had to do that in one take. It's like, like, you don't really, I don't really think of these things a lot. You know, that if you have a one take thing, like in any movie, you know, they got to, I mean, the fact that they did so perfectly, you know, for 20 unbroken minutes is, is crazy. Absolutely. Even, um, even just following that shot, you know, and when, when it cuts to like the close up of like half Fassbender's face and he, and he continues on for another few minutes, like even that, like the intensity just in his mm-hmm. gaze and like the, you know, because like he, the, like the way that the, the smoke is the only like you know moving object, like you know for like a lot of the scene, and there's just something so sort of like haunting in the way it just billows around, and the way that you know it's just like, yeah, I don't know, like like those two shots, you know, the seventeen minute one and the one of Fastbender after that, like they're just brilliant. Yeah, I kind of found it at first just because we'd been in that seventeen minute position for so long that. Cutting close up to Fazbender was kind of jarring for me just for a second. I'm like, oh, Jesus, like this conversation's still going and we cut. That was weird. But by the end of that, the whole monologue he gives there, totally necessary. I totally, We needed that close up mm. on him for that. Um, yeah, no, it was so effective. Got it. They just, perfect. They showcased everything they needed to 100%. Um, and they knew in that moment the script required to for the shot to be like this and we need to cut here at exactly this time and it totally works. It's awesome. I just can't get over how, like, human beings can memorise that shit. Dude, I don't think I could memorise two sentences if someone put them in front of me, but it's beyond my reaches I mean, of understanding. Yeah, you can't read two sentences, so memorise me. <laughs> You're probably right Exactly. That. 100%. <laughs> the other reason why the scene's so good, you know, acting aside shots aside, editing aside, um, is the script because the dialogue that's delivered here. And I noticed, I don't know if you guys uh, noticed this or why necessarily this is, but um, I noticed there were small bits throughout it where the subtitles stopped oh, and, yeah. and they continued talking. And I presumed, I don't know, I've got no idea, but would that be because that, because a subtitle, like that's another mm. question I guess I'm asking, are subtitles transcripts like of the actual movie or is it just an uploaded text of the script on netflix i think they are because like when you're watching things on netflix you can tell sometimes you know there'll be an extra year or are you you know or uh, like you know there'll be a few extra words in there so i think it might, might be the case yeah that's what it's like for games as well yeah but for um i think for physical media it might not be but i think for streaming it may be because i like like thinking back to like films that i, I own on dvd and stuff i don't think i've had that issue but when watching Netflix, Disney, whatever. I, I think that does crop up quite often. Yeah. Well, it might not even be an ad-lib thing. Like maybe they'd had conversations with, with Steve McQueen and during their rehearsals they decided to add those bits beforehand, but of course they still weren't in the original script, you know. Mm. Yeah. But, but anyway, regardless, sorry. The, the purpose of that scene is what also makes it so good, despite from just the, the other technical aspects. Because from it, I... You know, we'd spent very little time with Bobby before it from memory. We'd kind of had a scene with him and his parents 
He was kind of, you know, we see him get uh, beaten to shit. But other than that, you know, this is kind of our gateway to Bobby as a character. And the amount in which this conversation with this person gives us such insight into him, um, gives us insight into the priest, of course. Um, By the end of it, I totally understood 100% where he was coming from. I totally 100% understood where the priest was coming from. Um, I thought they both had extremely valid perspectives that obviously conflicted. Um, And that was obviously really necessary, I think, for by the end of the movie for you to kind of feel torn by what he's doing. But also it kind of also perhaps encapsulates the entire conflict um, that's occurring on a granular scale in the movie and, and the setting of the movie. Perhaps, I don't know. But I think there's some interesting things to be said there. And obviously the um, the story he tells about the foul and God, just every line is so good. The foul, yes. My apologies. The foul. <laughs> uh, the Artemis foul oh, flashbacks. Yeah. The only other Irish movie you um, said. Yes, exactly. That's what I compare this to. Obviously, Artemis Fowl much better, but mm. yeah, no. It just every single line of dialogue served its purpose 100%. I was enthralled by it all. I was entertained by it all. There was some great levity in there too, some great humour. Um, yeah, couldn't couldn't speak highly enough of it. Yeah, that's one of my favourite parts of the dialogue was the fact that as serious as it got, it, it, still, it still wove humour into it, you know, with the smoking's a terrible habit uh i but it's beautiful you know whatever like that and you know like all small things like that and yeah. like i just feel like it, it, it like it's like i think it, it, it it's something similar to like what australians have i feel like in the fact that i mean you know when you talk about the anzac spirit you talk about how you know you're you know in world war one they were in the trenches you know about to be sent to their deaths but like they were still cracking jokes sometimes and you know whatever to keep the spirit light and i feel like you know australians and irish have that in common where no matter how dire it is they always have that little bit of you know um you know whiteness to 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 the moment type of thing and 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 i just yeah, love seeing that absolutely on screen in the way it it, it, it like it yeah i don't I, I don't know how to describe it really further but like it it, it just you know it's, it was it was fantastic yeah it just it just elevated the scene further <laughs> because it felt realistic as to like what you know because like in the in the face of hardship, you know, sometimes you want to make yourself feel a bit happier. So it felt realistic in having those, you know, little jokes throughout. You know, no, a hundred percent, hundred percent. It adds so much, and like, I was so glad that the story of the fall, not the fail, um, that that entire thing is so important. I think to the entire movie. I don't know if the movie really works without it. Um, I mean, it definitely wouldn't work without it with the ending, but I love how we mentioned the, the close up on Michael Fassman the entire time he's telling it and the restraint, I would presume perhaps, um, that they showed not to, you know, cut away to young Michael Fassbender in that moment while he's telling it, like doing the thing he's saying, like they totally just believed in Fassbender's performance in the moment for him to just completely carry it by himself without, you know, flashbacks or whatever. Um, but then the fact we still get the flashback to Michael has been a younger right at the end um, was really awesome as well. But that whole com- that whole thing was just so awesome with everything about, you know, him being a leader, 
how he is always able to take direct action, you know, to do what he believes is right or for the cause he believes in and all that stuff, no matter the repercussions. And obviously it greatly affects him with the hunger that bloody, I can't believe we haven't talked about his physical state enough yet in this movie. Um, but then obviously it emotionally affects him with the fall um, in the past as well. It's just such a great parallel that totally told me everything about this person so effectively. Yeah. And like, it shows how, you know, even with how like disturbing and how like, how, you know, hard to watch it is at the end. And it, like, especially how, you know, hard it would be, to, how hard it would be to like put yourself through that. You know, it just kind of shows like you have the, you know, the, your purpose and that kind of just overrides all that, you know, and that, that conversation just shows his you know, determination and will so well. 100%. Is this the part where we, we just have to get to the fasting, don't we? We have to get to the actual hunger strike. Um, we mentioned how terrible it was to look at. Don't think we can, um, I don't think we could each emphasize that enough. Um, I'll kick it off with some trivia about it. So um, Michael Fassbender had to go on an, a medically monitored crash diet to portray Bobby Sands, obviously, in those final moments. Dude, how can... That was... That was unbelievable. Everything about it. Obviously, the physical state, you know, of Bobby there was just absolutely... That is... If you'd asked me beforehand, like, oh, what's a person who's really hungry in this movie going to look like, I'd just be like, oh, okay, well, they're going to be skinny, cool. But none of that could, just describing it couldn't do it justice to the way in which it was portrayed and the, the God, Jesus, the sores everywhere, um, the how he was completely delirious in the end. And yeah, Jesus Christ, mm. it was just, it was absolutely unbelievable. And credit to the director, of course, it's not just all in, let's get this guy super skinny and film it. Like, obviously, um, there were a lot of really deliberate shots and things. Like, the the shot we get and the edit we get of um, we see the plates of meals constantly coming and going from the bedside table with him completely unmoving in the bed behind. Yeah. Um, and there are a few others like that, him in the bar, so hard with it all, and it worked. Mm. I love the shot where, like, just following after he collapses, getting out of the bath, the way the doctor carries him, like, it just, I mean, it shows how vulnerable it is, sure, and, like, it, yeah. it, I guess it ties back to the fold. It looks like, you know, you're, you're, you're carrying an injured, you know, baby horse. And, like, it's, it's just at your mercy, you know, and it's just, you know, completely, uh... uh no, yeah, no, definitely. Say no more. Uh, I, I forgot yeah. what I was going to go with that, more. but, yeah. yeah um, yeah. yeah, the vulnerability of him there. And just the uh, the scene where, like, I think he's kind of right on the edge. I think this is right before he passes, um, where, you know, he's at, obviously he's worse physically and he's completely delirious at that point. Um, I-, I love him seeing his younger self because at first, cause he does have a son. They mentioned that. Mm. So I thought that was his son. But the fact it wasn't was kind of a cool surprise too. But, um, and the way in which, you know, Fazbender's performance and we see how his eyes are just, you know, completely seeing nothing. And 
that that shit was horrifying. But also the camera movements as well. The scene where um, we get the fading between the trees and the birds with him basically degrading in front of you and the camera movements just swinging around above his head and just felt so deliberate. And, um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, it just totally made me, you know, feel so uncomfortable as it was meant to. And I noticed that shit. It was really cool. But what about the actual ending? Fitzy, it's time for you to shine. Okay. I liked the ending. I kind of took it as just him, um, I don't know. So the, his younger self kind of took a second to look back and he just kind of kept running forward. I kind of took it as a thing of he has no regrets about what he's done and he believes in the cause kind of thing. Is that what you took from it? Um. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Okay. Um, oh, wow. I just, I just totally nailed it. Well, I don't know. Um, what do you think, Zach? That's what I think. I, I do believe. That was my interpretation. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's pretty – the ending is pretty simple like that. Like yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think there's anything you know hidden in this movie. It's pretty. Um, it lays it out for you, I guess. Um, yeah, but going back to like the hunger thing, when the doctor put that like metal thing on top of him, so like the blanket wouldn't, you know, it's like the blanket was too um, heavy for his body or something. That was like oh yeah, yeah definitely. And just his corpse. <sighs> yeah, no, that was all genuinely disturbing but did you like the ending jan do you have anything to add to that um no not really i think you hit the nail on the head i think um i think it dipped a bit into um you know just like his like mcqueen trying to be a bit artsy not that it was anything bad i think it worked but like because mm. the, the way that the kid stares into the camera right it doesn't, it's not like he's staring behind it right no yeah i think you're right yeah. yeah and like the fact that he's staring into the camera kind of seems more it, it, it it's um it's a bit of a trope, sort of. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. But like, I, I still think it's fine, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's it's a minor issue, but like, nothing, nothing significant enough, you know. No, yeah, I totally, I totally buy it just because of the way it tied back into everything we'd learned beforehand, yeah, you know. Sure. Um, yeah. If we hadn't, yeah, if we hadn't had the stuff about the story of the, of the fall again, I keep bringing up that bloody story, but it's so good. Um, if we hadn't have that had that, it would have been maybe a bit weird, but no, nah, it totally kind of comes full circle. One of my favourite uh, scenes in the film was the um, the, the scene where the, uh, I don't know what to call them, but in, the guys with the batons came in. Uh, you know, yeah. that, was, that was such oh. like a, an intense scene, you know, um, probably one of the most like, you know, fast paced in the movie. And just like that shot where you have that one, that one guy, um, who's like, you know, you know, he's guilty and crying. Um, you know what I'm talking that about? Coward. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> no, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just I like, I guess they're such a... like riot squad, riot squad dudes, I guess is what you'd call them. Yeah, right? I guess. They got the riot shields. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just such a, you know, brutal scene as well. Um, and I love, uh, there's a little detail before, like, you can see, you know, you have the one who cries in the end and he's looking at some guy and he, like, smirks a little bit. And it's kind of like, he's wondering, you know, like, how do we, how should we feel about this? This, like, mm-hmm. you know, I assume he's, like, um, you know, identifies as British or a British guy. The, yeah, the, the dude who was 
really upset by it. He was great because he just kind of, and, and the same goes with the the the, the warden. No, not the warden. What do you call? It? Like I don't know, just the the security prison guard or whatever that we also follow for a little bit. Um, just kind of presents a great holistic perspective, a somewhat you know, the movies attempt to kind of present an objective perspective of the conflict in play, but also just you know the the toll obviously it pays on everyone involved. We see it the toll very clearly for Bobby, but to yeah get two sides of the of the coin for these grunts you know these people that are just you know in the movie just basically just beat the shit out of them and that's kind of their role but to get the death to them as well i think is really important but um no so sorry jane i don't know if you're going to move on to this but just because i think it's a good segue from the right dude is is that security guard um he's who we start the movie with and i think he was a cool starting point because he, we kind of get some historical context with him in the car and the radio at first heading into the prison and the repeated shot of him, you know, brushing off his, his, uh, I should say, washing his bloody knuckles in the water. So we immediately feel that sympathy for him kind of, we kind of connect with him immediately. So then it's kind of confronting when we see him beat the living shit out of the prisoners it's not so much a, a reverse thing where it's like this guy beats the shit out of the prisoners and then we realize he actually feels sorry for it. We kind of get it in reverse, um, which was cool. And then his death was shocking when he just got totally blasted in the friggin' old folks' home. That was that was crazy. Yeah. And also, like, restrained as well. You know, it wasn't like – it was just very simple, I guess. Yeah. No, 100%. Mm. Yeah, that, yeah, that kind of was what I was going to move on to, just like – you know, talk about how it, it, it presents a fair view. I'd say fair view of you know both unionists and Republicans. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and I was going to mention how, how starting with him was an important part of that because you you know he he's the first thing you develop a connection to. So and like seeing him, seeing him die, you know, when he's most vulnerable was also you know another reason because like, you know, the thing is like yeah, they, they, these were politically motivated killings, but you know they're, they're still horrendous murders mm. i guess so like but um i think i think the movie has a good job of not really vilifying anyone too much ab- above like you know what they actually were apart from you know if you, if you feel like maggie thatcher is the only one that's actually like they actually try to make a villain out of you know mm. and um i think right just by yeah. using like you know those two excerpts from like two ex- excerpts from two of the speeches you know they do a r- brilliant job of it like you know in just like you know the way they play it over yeah, well, I think it it does, you know, show her position on the matter pretty objectively, though. Like, yeah. like she's pretty stubborn about not, you know, giving these freedoms to the Irish, pretty much. Mm. But yeah, as someone who's not as ingrained in in the historical context of it, I don't know. I didn't really take the the Maggie Thatcher stuff as the, the attempt to vilify her. I don't know. Like, I kind of. And maybe, yeah, maybe I just don't know enough about it. You're, you're probably right now that you say it, actually. But in the moment, I kind of just saw that as, um, which, yeah, now that I said out loud, it's kind of weird because we do already get the opening title screens of to kind of explain that anyway. But I kind of just took it as kind of an exposition opportunity. But I guess, no, that could be another intent of it. Okay, yeah. I mean, like, because j- just knowing how widely hated Thatcher is, I mean, like, that, that, that's kind of what I took the... You know, using her, sure. and because like like even before like that like um, 
I think I, I think uh, I think I think uh, we're in the in the seventeen minute take. You know, uh, Dom acknowledges he's like, uh, yeah, everyone knows how bad the English are, and it's like you know, it's just using it's it's in that, but like you know, they still show a fair point of like, you know, just like the police officers. I mean, like obviously that we're that we're showing them beating them up or whatever, but like you know, that's what they've been told to do. That's what they're ordered to do. But you know, when it comes to Maggie, that's when they kind of you know, I don't know. That's that's yeah. how I took it. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. But yeah, no, we get the killing that security guard when he was most vulnerable, absolutely. And then we get the the shot I like most of him is when he's just smoking out in the cold and it's just a long holding shot on him. You just you feel that that despair there, you know. I mean mm-hmm. it's like snowing and shit. It's really like stark white, so it's kind of, you know, pretty obvious, but nonetheless it works. Um shout out to a random shot in the movie. Um, I think it was one of the first shots, actually, is just when the, the security guard dude, we see that, like, before he leaves his house, he actually checks under his car, um, yep. which is something in the moment I was real dumb and did not understand that. But then uh, in retrospect, I was like, oh, okay, I get that. But um, the show when he's actually, like, eating his food and crumbs are falling, um, like, on his, I don't know, like, I don't know, on his clothes and shit, like, kind of beneath the table. Dude, that shit made me, like, longing for food not to waste food and the movie hadn't even started yet. That was like a really great note to start. Um, yeah, just like as you said, the uh that shot with him the smoking outside. Like everything kind of just builds everything kind of uh you know, builds a very dark kind of, you know, tense atmosphere for everybody, really. Yeah. I feel like his death is the only moment of relief of tension. You know? Cause I th- hmm. I think throughout the film it's it's constantly building the you know just the way that the, I mean music doesn't occur often in the film. It's 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 usually just dead silence, but it, you know it, it comes in, in in you know like more, uh, you know more intense moments like you know when they take him out and like all that stuff like just, but they want to emphasize you know the the actual sounds of to to emphasize the horror you know they just use the actual sounds of the beatings and you know the screams or whatever, mm. but you know when when you get the shots of that dude you know outside and you know you have that kind of building music and like you know i think like when he dies is the only moment of relief because like the only other because like after that i feel like it builds again but when bobby dies it doesn't really feel like a relief you know no the um yeah so when he dies right like the um the end screen points out that it was like a paramilitary that killed him was that is that just the ira is that what that means yeah yeah, there were kind of like extreme like branches of the IRA, wasn't there? They're like, cause like, cause like, so you, so you hear Dom talking about leadership. So he's referring to, you know, like the leadership of like the Republic movement. But then you have the IRA, which is the the, the Republic Army, right? Yeah. And then you right. have like this, I think what they're referring to, like the, like the paramilitary part. Of like you know more more extreme version of the IRA that don't want to wait around and listen anymore, is is that what it kind of is? I guess so. That's what that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. I was looking out for confirmation. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Mm. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, pretty much everyone was for the you know Republican side in Ireland, but they just the you know the the leaders of the parties and stuff didn't want the IRA to be too, you know, do things too violent, too, you know, um, mm. tear apart their negotiations and stuff like that. 
Um, you mentioned the music quickly. Um, it definitely doesn't come in often, but just to emphasize what you said, when it comes in, though, it's bloody, it comes in hard. Mm. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, kind of like what, you know, Helen Johansson used to do and the fact that, you know, his, his, his scores are really subtle, but they're effective. And I think, actually, I guess it reminds me more of No Country for Men where the fact that, you know, it wasn't in it often, but like, yeah, like you just said, like it comes in hard and it is effective when it is there. Yeah. Would you go on a hunger strike if you were in that position? Oh, dude, I don't. I couldn't even begin to comprehend being in that position. Hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't so, even be able to shear my smear. I wouldn't even be able to like smear my shingle ball. I, I, I'd, I'd call it quits then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. God, there's no way I'd do oh, that. That was fail. That um, that shot where the the water. What is it like? The water. Like when he uses the pressure washer to wash it. Yeah, yeah, pressure washer, and it's like it's like a spiral of mm. shit. It's such a good job. I feel like it would be really satisfying to clean that off. I'm not going to lie, you know, like when that, that satisfying feeling when you just see it coming off slowly and you got the pre- dude. I kind of would like that job, honestly. Sure. Should I check out the subreddit power washing porn because it's just videos of that. Really, holy shit, dude! You might have just changed my life. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say like the way that. It builds tension and it's more tense than what most horror films are. I mean, the way that, I mean, like, you're kind of always holding your breath without really realizing it, you know, in, in, um, and like the, like the, the way that's crafted is really superb. And that, that, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's what I was going to say. Did you, I didn't really feel that until probably the last 20 minutes, like when the, the actual fasting starts, because I'm, during the 17-minute conversation, I was enjoying the shit out of it, but I was kind of – I wasn't like that personally. Did you still feel the everything building in that moment as well? Towards the end of that conversation, you know, when – like, as, as he starts – because, like, you know, the start of the conversation is about, you know, their lives and whatever, but as he starts talking mm. about it, you know, more adamantly, you kind of get that feeling. But I guess, like, I'm not – like, I guess it didn't occur throughout the entire film, but, like, that scene with the riot squad – that scene where they're cutting their hair and, like, they're ripping them out of the cells, you know, obviously the ending scene, you know, I think it happens enough. And, like, even that, even, like, um, even the opening, you know, just as he checks under his car, I mean, it, it, it's so terrifying, you know. I mean, could you imagine, like, having to, to, to check under your car every day, you know, just to make sure there's no bomb there? I mean. And um, that just that simple scene where the the first inmate that we follow has to, you know, he says he's not going to wear prison clothes and then he just kind of slowly strips because they, they are all just staring him down, you know, for a good, like, three minutes. Yeah, totally, totally. I forgot about that, Terry. That was good. Um, I probably should have said it at the start, but just, you know, trivia, this was Steve McQueen's first theatrical film. So, you know, pretty, mm. you know, Jeez. he'll go on to do big things one day, I'm sure. It might even win an Academy Award one day. Yeah, I think... Yeah, that's one thing I kind of, like, think about Steve McQueen's view. Like, he takes a very kind of clinical, like, objective kind of perspective and just doesn't, you know, he's not afraid to show things, like, even in shame and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all about, you know, sexual addiction and stuff. Pulls no punches. Yeah. Hunger out of... 10, I'll go first. I'll give it an 8. I thought it was great. I wish the start kind of captured me a bit sooner. I think on a rewatch, um, 
you know, I, I feel like maybe it would keep with me more because I've kind of maybe just had a second to adjust to what was kind of going on. But no, I, I thought it was a really great movie. Um, 10 out of 10, one take shot, really effective ending. Yeah, no, totally, highly recommend it. I'll give it a nine. Um, brilliant, brilliantly, you know, shot and uh, just handles the subject matter really uh, well. And uh, yeah, perfect, perfect uh, conversation and all that. So yeah. Did you just call our conversation perfect? No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I meant the that conversation. Yeah, I know, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. But I mean, our, some might say our conversation's also perfect. No, I don't mm. Nah, no one's ever said that. Is it might it? Yeah, uh, I I'm also going to go with the night. Um, I mean, I think it's flawless, and I, I don't think I've really criticized it at all throughout this. But I, I think um, I think I agree with you in with some of the startings with you know some of the sequences early on, just like with the two dudes. You know, sometimes it just it it it, it, it felt like they we hung on them for a bit too much. You know, of just like mm. how much can you really just sit in there? And stare at you know two dudes in a shit code cell, but because um, yeah, I think like that was my only issue. I guess like there was some like occasions like that where there was sometimes just too long spent on you know certain things. Yeah, I wish I wish we'd gotten more time or or something more substantial to cling on to with them because they just felt like stand in, look at these prisoners and look at their situation kind of thing to get us to Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine, but you know, yeah, I wish I'd got something a little bit more out of them. I guess here. Yeah. Actually, just to uh, continue the tradition of mentioning shit before after we like giving our scores, I was reading that like um at the end of the hunger strike, they were given you know some polit- that they were given uh, a status and there there were some reform, but it was rather irrelevant because like it came at a time of just general prison reform anyway. So uh. so some of those things that they were demanding that they were, you know, stri- hunger striking for, they were going to come around, you know, soon. Um, I mean, obviously there's still, I guess, a, a victory in their eyes, whatever, like, I, I guess it's a victory, but like in, in, in terms of how much they actually won out of that, you know, this, 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 this um, thing, it, it wasn't that significant. Yeah. Oh, well, let's get into news chat. Um, I don't know. That that movie was yeah. That movie was heavy, wasn't it? Jesus. Yeah. Now you have to lighten it up for news chat. You have to try. Mm. Jared Leto's in Tron, guys. Yay. Mm. Yeah. But um, it was like a few. It was like what was it like? I don't know. Who knows how many episodes it was ago, dude? You could say it was three episodes. You could tell me it was fifteen episodes ago. I don't know. Anywhere in between. But uh, at some point, we mentioned that there was a Tron 3 happening, maybe. Um, yeah. And Jared Leto was maybe in it. But now, confirmed, it is happening. We've got the same director as Lion helming it. Do you know his name, Jaden? I don't. Gareth something. Evans? Gareth Evans, is it? Is he Aussie? I... Gareth Edwards. Uh, is, it, is it Edwards? Uh, uh... No, Gareth Edwards is the uh, is Rogue One. Yeah, um, I think it's Gareth Evans, I think. Okay. Oh wait, what was the? Oh, what what was the uh, Wolverine director? Was it Gavin Hood? Gavin Hood. Oh, I was thinking of him. Never forget. Um, yeah, he is Aussie. He's a. It is Gareth Evans. He's from Melbourne. Yeah. Oh well, good for him. Oh wait, no, it's not. Sorry, that's an oh, okay. Australian senator. Shit, sorry. 
<laughs> Hold on, he, it, it, the, the film director is Gareth Evans, though, but he was born. Okay. okay, yeah. Oh, boo. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, well. Hold I'm on. I'm trying so hard to climb him. No, it's not Gareth Evans. That's a different dude. Jesus. Hold on. The plot thickens. Wait, let me just type in line director and perhaps that it'll generate better. That would, yeah, yeah. Better results. Come on, Gareth come Davis. on, the Aussie. No, that's what it. That's what it is. Uh, Garth Davis, okay. Garth, dude. Oh, wait. Garth Davis. No, it is Garth. Dude. Garth Davis. Holy it. shit, dude. It was born in Brisbane. Yeah, there you go. God, that was a roller coaster we just went on. Yeah. Twists and turns. What a journey. <laughs> it really was. Oh well, the end result could be cool. Are you? A, I know, like, Jaden's someone into Tron. I think. Are you into Tron, Fitzy? I haven't. I haven't seen the um, the original. Original looks like shit, but um, it does, uh, yeah. I, I I like the uh the um sequel, you know, just for the visuals and the uh and the uh, soundtrack. Did I do your thoughts justice by saying you were somewhat into it, Jaden? Oh no, I I I, I probably love the film. I, like 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 okay, uh, like um, I haven't seen the original either, but like a uh, Tron Legacy, I absolutely like love. Um, cool. Like I will stand by it. Um, I think I mean like yeah. I don't know, I guess some of the writing's a bit cliche, but, I mean, you know, it's great. Um, but I, I think I, I think I read that Tron 3 isn't going to have anything to do with uh, the first one or Tron Legacy. Did you see that too, or is that just me? No, I didn't look any, any more into it, so. Right, yeah, I'm, up here I'm pretty sure I read that. I think, it, yeah, I, I don't think it's, because, so Tron Legacy continues the story of the first one where, you know, with, uh, with, with, Sam, Flynn, with Sam Flynn and his father and whatever, and, like, the creation of Tron and, you know, whatever that stuff. And, like, the way it ends, it kind of sets up this idea of, you know, the programs in the real world and, like, what's going to occur there. But I, I think Tron 3 is just going to be a return to the computer and, like, not focus on the real world too much. Right. Cool. Well, uh, before you see Jared Leto in Tron 3, you can look forward to him in Morbius. Whenever that's coming here, get hyped. People are... Uh... People seem to make jokes about, you know, if, if Jared Leto signs to a project, it's, it's kind of the death of it. Um, do you, Is it? I mean, pe- people just don't seem to respect him too much. I, th- I think it kind of started after, the, you know, his performance of the Joker. Um, hmm. but like, like whenever I see his name on, like, you know, just movie forums or on Instagram or whatever, like, people, you know, and, like, when he says he's attached to this project, people will start complaining, and I'm not sure if that's, hmm. I'm not sure if that's, like, an actual thing or if that's just idiots. I mean, that, that sounds a bit unfair. I know there's all those things about how, he, how he's actually some kind of, like, cult leader in real life or some shit. I don't know how accurate that is, but how, oh. like, last year he went on some really strange-sounding religious retreat of some sort and he yeah. took people with him and it sounded really suspicious. But uh, regard, regardless of that, I don't know how true that is. But, um, I mean, that sounds unfair. I don't even think, like, from memory, he, he was totally fine as the Joker. He was, like, the least of that movie's problems. Yeah, I mean, he's had good performances in other movies, yeah, like Dallas Buyers Club and Missing Nobody and all that. Um, right, okay. Yeah, Joker kind of ruined his reputation a little bit. I think it might just be like Marvel fanboys complaining that he's in Morbius and like other nerd products and stuff like that. I think I think that's what it might be. I don't know, maybe. Because, hmm. I mean, like... Well, we know Morbius is going to be great. Even his... Um, He's rolling Blade Runner 2049, although it's brief. I think he does a decent job of it, yeah. 
Wait, wasn't wasn't um what uh, Michael Keaton in the in the movies trailer? He was, dude. That, that shit was. Oh my god. That like connects the universes, dude. Oh, oh dude, don't even get me started. If if that news had broken, uh, if we'd gotten that while we were doing this show, dude, I would have had I would have had some shit to say. But Jesus, oh god, it's terrifying. Not keen for it, or you are? God no, because it's like some bullshit where. Uh, Okay, so so like this Sony. Actually, maybe we have talked about this before. I don't remember, but like the Sony Marvel Universe is it's been its own thing with Venom and now Morbius, and you know its own thing over on the side, and the MCU totally separate. So now you're saying Michael Keaton from the MCU is going to be in the Sony Universe, like the same character. Okay, so then that implies that they are, that Venom is also in the MCU. But then I read some bullshit like where you know, with the Sony Marvel negotiations, all that bullshit that kept going on forever, that, like, it, do, it that's not true. Like, the MCU exists in the Sony universe, but not vice versa, which is just the dumbest shit of all time. You know what I mean? So, like, Venom isn't in the MCU, but Michael Keaton's in the Sony thing. Whatever. Hmm. It's annoying. What What is, like, the history of Sony and Spider-Man? Because, like, Spider-Man was originally just a, a Marvel character, right? Sure, yeah, well, Sony bought the, actually, I heard about this just the other day, coincidentally, Sony bought the film rights to Spider-Man in the 80s, I believe. Obviously, they never made a movie for a while after that, but. Geniuses. Yeah, they were ahead of the curve on that one, and they obviously just refused to give it up, you know, fair enough, it's profitable. I know, Uh, it's it's really been like one of the biggest IPs, just like in terms of like budgetary-wise, like how much money it rakes in. I don't understand why you'd want to give it back to Marvel. Well, um, yeah, let's leave the universe's talk for now. Getting to a remake of The Witches, which I'm so glad you mentioned you hate this movie, Jan, because, dude, this movie, this is, I I don't know if I could actually, you know, have any real opinion on it, like a critical opinion. As, as a young lad, though, this movie was terrible to me. I absolutely hated it. It terrified the shit out of me. And not even in, like, I was a genuinely scared way. It just... It was just gross, you know. Like all the, the like the character, the friggin' makeup and shit. I hated. I hated that movie mm. so much. Yeah, I, I I just don't like Roald Dahl that much. I mean, I've never really enjoyed his books. Like, I love Fantastic Mr. Fox about Wes Anderson, but that's because it's you know Wes Anderson, or whatever. But like, it, right. in terms of like Roald Dahl's other products, I've never really enjoyed them too much. And but like, The Witches is one that I especially hate. Like, I just cannot stand it at all. Because like I, I remember someone recommending it to me like like as a as a child just like the book like and and saying oh it's his best one and I read it and I hated it and I hate the film and I hate everything about it. But then yeah. with this news that came out, do you want to mention the news or am I? Is that your role? No, no, I'll go for it. So we got yeah a remake of this movie. Apparently, we've got um, Del Toro, uh, Benicio. No, no, not Benicio. God damn it! What's his face? Guillermo Del Toro oh. and um, Alfonso Cuarón. They're producers, right, Jed? I think Del Toro's writing, Karan's produced. Got it. And then, you know, Big Rob's uh, director. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Big Rob. Big Rob. <laughs> Robert Zemarcus is directing, who's uh, the Back to the Future dude. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that sounds interesting. Robert Zemarcus. Isn't that Zemeckis? Oh, Zemeckis. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. He, the other day, I was surprised by something else he did the other day. I was like looking through and I was like, wow, Robert Zemeckis. It was, I've already forgotten what you just said, Zemeckis. <laughs> um, he did that movie? I can't remember. What else has he done? Back to the Future. 
I was on Forrest Gump. Was it? Was it Forrest Gump? That was it. No shit, that was it. Okay, yeah, I was surprised he did that. Okay. Castaway. Castaway. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Maybe Tom Hanks is going to be in this witches movie. I think because on the poster that leaked, it was it, it had something that cast. I mean, if you check out the poster on them, which is poster. Ah, oh, God, I just saw an image of the nineties one. <laughs> It uh is that it looks like it's got um is that Eva Green? No, it's Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, Octavia oh. Spencer, and uh looks like Stanley Tucci. Okay, okay, weird. Okay, okay. Do people dislike Anne Hathaway? Because I feel like every now and then I see negative reactions to her, but I don't know. I quite like Anne Hathaway. I've got no reason to dislike her. I, I I wasn't aware of this opinion, but perhaps. Well, neither do well, neither do I. I feel like I've seen it more than once, to the point where it's become notable to me a little bit. I mean, what she been in that can piss people off? I mean, I, I don't know. It, I guess, but like, I think that movie's just not good. Yeah, effectual. I mean, she she yeah. she's pretty bang on with her acting. I mean, yeah, I've got no complaints. Yeah, great in Interstellar, obviously. Hoodwinked. She's in Hoodwinked? Is she the lead? Um, yeah. Little Red Wine. Oh, okay. Right. Wow. I mean, that's a voice role. I don't know how much you can actually criticise her for that. I mean. <laughs> She's good. How do you degrade vocal performances? Maybe, um, just because she's been in a lot of romantic comedies or something like that. Yeah, even, to, even to, like, that claim, because, like, uh, actually, uh, now, now you're saying that, I do remember, like, you know, act, like, People like dismiss her as an actor because you know of how many like com- comedic products she's in. But um, I think I think it's Rachel getting married. I mean, it's it's a, it's a it's a dramatic role, and like she does really well in it. Um, so I mean, like even even like you know the, the like criticizing her for the fact that she she only does light movies, uh, like it's invalid, you know. Yeah, definitely. Oh well, I definitely won't be looking forward to this remake. Nah. Neither of you yeah. two. I'm curious. Yes. I mean, with the names attached, I am curious. Yeah, but like. Yeah. I almost wish these names weren't attached because oh, same. Yeah. with these names attached, it kind of screams that it will, it will at least be competent, you know, or at least to be good. I kind of wish we just got the news and these names weren't attached and I, that way I could hope that it's terrible mm. and I could like it for that reason. Tatoro seems to be a lot recently. I mean, like he's got his uh, Pinocchio remake going on. He's producing Antlers in this film apparently. A few other mm. stuff up his sleeve. Busy man. Yeah, for sure. Appearing in Death Stranding, but not really. Yeah, it was just a voiceover role. No, he he does none of the voice in Death Stranding. It's just his likeness. Oh, what? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another actor, but they use his likeness. Oh, that's crazy. I thought when he was yeah. talking to me, I was actually listening to Del Toro. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> I feel betrayed. I get, I get that. Because, I mean, like, hearing him talk in interviews, like, it does sound like him. I mean, like... Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was meant to sound like Yeah, yeah I'm sure it was, like, trying to sound like him. Yeah. Okay, right, yeah. Yeah, I guess he just didn't have the time, fair enough. Great character, though. But yeah, anyway. Um, let's talk about the Devil All the Time trailer that Fitchy saw. This is a Robert Pattinson, Tom Holland movie. Was there someone else? Sebastian Stan. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Um, you didn't see it, did you, Jane? No, I didn't. No, nah, nah, give it over to Fitchy for this one. Spill the beans. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know anything about the plot, I guess. The trailer didn't give much that much away. Um, but there's like this, yeah, 
uh, Robert, what's his name? Robert um, Pattinson has this like very like southern kind of Christian accent. They're all at this church. They're all like, um, yeah, they're all kind of southern and uh, based on sin and stuff. I don't really know. But, um, okay, okay. It's a, it's a book adaptation, isn't it? Hmm. Riley Liu wasn't it Riley Liu isn't it as well? She's she's oh, Riley Keo. Keo, yeah. She's great. She's in uh, American Honey and stuff. Um oh, okay. yeah, she looks looks decent. That's a wrap on news chat. Uh what have we been watching? Uh yeah, someone who wants to kick us off? You do. Do I? Yeah. I feel like I've done it the last few weeks. Yep, so we're gonna stick with that. Sure, okay. Fine then. <laughs> uh, what will I mention? I, I mean, I mean, watching The Last Kingdom on Netflix, uh, TV program, I'm almost halfway through it. And I'm enjoying it. I like it a lot. Um, it's kind of like, it, it's set in, I don't know, I don't know, what, what were the years of like the Vikings and shit, like friggin', I don't know, like 1200, 1100 around that time, I guess. I don't know. Um, back in the days when England was split into all these kingdoms, that, you know, previously I'm a dumbass, didn't know much about it. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's cool. I like it. It kind of reminds me, interesting analogy, it kind of reminds me of a video game story, I guess, in that, and I'm not talking about a good video game story. Like, I mean, uh, no, that's sounded not fair. I'm not talking about, like, a Naughty Dog story, okay? Naughty Dog stories are, like, up there with film and TV, like, the best of the best. I'm talking about, like, any other video game story in the sense that it's still good, like, I enjoy it. But, like, there's some weirdness to it. Like, there's some logical inconsistencies that kind of have me, you know, every now and again thinking, like, what is going on exactly? Um, there's just there's some weird moments in there throughout. There's some one-note characters that are just, like, comically just this, um, if that makes any sense. Like, there's there's characters that are just so easy to despise, but not even in a good way, like, you know, I feel like when people talk about characters who despise, we think of Joffrey, right? And he, you know, obviously a little shit. Everyone hates him, rightly so. But he, I don't know, he still felt like a real person to me, at least. Like, nothing, he never felt cartoonishly terrible. He was just terrible. Um, whereas, the, you know, there are a handful of characters that are cartoonishly terrible um, and cartoonishly all over the map kind of thing. Um so I don't think it's like, you know, a pristine, amazing drama by any stretch of the imagination. But I enjoy the setting. I enjoy the time period. The set design's cool. There's some cool action in there. Um, I'm enjoying the ride. You know, I'm just enjoying the characters, see where it goes. But uh, but yeah, The Last Kingdom, I like it. What have you guys been watching? Um, you volunteer. I volunteer as tribute. Um, yes. I watched uh, Singing in the Rain for uh, uni. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, it was pretty great. Uh, there's a lot of uh, bangers in there and a lot of um, cool dancing, uh, cool, big, like, colourful sets and stuff. Um, um, yeah, and it's just, like, really well-paced kind of story about the birth of like you know talking like sound in the movies um talkies is what they called it oh okay uh, yeah yeah and it's um it's a bit you know goofball corny because it's like 
just that kind of musical kind of thing. But um, no, it's really, it's really uh, well made and uh, um, paced and stuff like that. So yeah, that was, that was good. Uh, Why did you watch it for uni, if you don't mind me asking? Just uh, one of my classes, uh, making movies class. Right. I watch just for like a kind of quiz thing. Um, That's a know. Cinema Effect endorsed class right there. Does that mean it's um, sponsored by Stan as well? Mm, mm, yeah, true. Yeah. It's like a it's like a roll-on effect. So the class is sponsored by Stan, and due to that connection, it also has what's the guy's name? David Webb Peoples as a friend of the class, you know, mm. and so on. Yeah. Rewatched um, Inglorious Bastards. Really loved it this time. Um, I think I was just like uh, connected with the more emotional side of it, I guess. Just like, you know, the desire for like vengeance and justice and like, like even without that, there's just so much the suspense in the film. Like even in the, you know, opening scene with the farm, uh, it's just like absolute dread, you know. But um, when you add, you know, the historical context and just like, the yeah, just just the way um, like uh, what's the what's Trishana's? I forget her acting her actor's name. Um, Melanie Loren, is it? Hmm. Or is, um, it of, or is it the other one? I get them confused. Um. Yeah, Me- Melanie Loren. Just like you, you know, you can see that the trauma that this has in her. Uh, especially in that, like, you know, dinner scene later when she meets Hans again for the uh, second time. He's such a, like, a, um, intimidating villain as well. In that, uh, in the opening scene, he, like, um, he's, when he shakes one of the uh, hands of the, the you know, the farmer's, like, uh, daughters, he, you can see him, like, checking her pulse. And it's just, like, small stuff like that. And he's always, like, in total, you know, control of the situation and stuff like that. But, um, but, yeah, and I just love how, you know, it builds to that final, like, um, I don't know, like, crescendo of, like, justice and, you know, uh, just all the... And murdering Hitler. Murdering Hitler and all the chaos that goes on. And, yeah, I think it's really, like one of Tarantino's more emotionally, like, impactful when you really connect with it. Or I, I did at least. And, uh, mm. yeah, I think it's, like, his best, I guess, or one of his best. I um, love that, um, the, 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 I love that the movie they make in it, like, uh, about Daniel Brühl's character. It's just, like, it's something that Zach would upload to YouTube when he was 12, you know, just as a college of sniper montage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And like every time that he gets a kill, you know the, the whole crowd cheers. Like it's such a funny scene. You know? like, I like as like I, I just love the entire film. Yeah, you know? that's brilliant. I, I need a rewatch of that too. Definitely. I think like the first time I watched, it, I really liked it, but I don't know. There was something holding me back to where mm, maybe at that point I didn't really have a great understanding of like Tarantino, what his movies are, because at the time I never really liked the um, a historical approach of let's kill Hitler here. Like, that was kind of weird to me. I don't know. Like, 
looking back, that's kind of a weird complaint, but I was I thought it was strange the way in which he went to change history. It kind of bothered me. But weird complaint in retrospect. I feel like if I watched it again with that at the window, I'd totally buy into it. Yeah. Um, well, what other films does he? I mean, uh, Hollywood, he does that as well. Hollywood, yeah. Um, yeah. Is there another? I don't know. I don't think so. But yeah, but that's the thing. Like, it didn't bother me in Hollywood at all. I think just by that point, because I, I think I kind of just got it more. It just clicked with me. Right. And uh, yeah, Fassbender's in it as well. He's amazing. Brad Pitt. And yeah, I also watched Psycho, which is uh, you know great. Um, I don't feel like I have much to say about. It. I guess I you know great. Uh, Performance by um, yeah, guy who plays Norman Bates. What's his What's his name? Anthony Perkins. Anthony Perkins and uh. Did you just break a pencil? Uh, sorry about that. That's <laughs> sorry. It sounded like you had built up rage and you're like snapping this pencil, you know? Hmm. No, that was a nail polish attached to the um, to the desk. Of course. Oh, okay, okay. Um, that's all good. Yeah, and it's really, you know, well shot. Mm. Scary. So, yeah. What about you, Jen? Uh, what did I watch? I, I, I've started my rewatch of uh, the Harry Potter series, got through four of them. Um, I mean, I, I think, uh, Cedric's death at the end of number four has to be one of the most devastating in the series. I think, uh, uh, like, that's, uh, that's a fact that I always stand by. Like, I think, like, Cedric's death is the most impactful outside of Sirius's. Do you guys feel that? Mm. I don't... No. No, I don't. No. But I also, like, totally get what you're saying. Because that is the first time that Harry experiences real death, and it's the first time the audience does as well. I mean, obviously, you know his parents in in, in number one, but like oh, yeah. we don't really have much of a ten- uh, much of a connection to that at all. Um, but like, and like, like what I read in my like just like my my, my letterbox thing, like like the, the the way it's shown, like like the the wailing, his refusal to let go, like uh, Amos's screams of "That's my son." It's absolutely devastating. It's heartbreaking, and like every time I watch it, like it 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 it, it, it kills me. I mean, like. Like yeah, like a hundred percent. Like like, Albus is his death sad. Um, oh, Fred is it Fred or George's death? Like which one, I think I think Fred dies. Like his death is horrid as well. Like I I, I I you know I can't stand it. But because Cedric is like the first big one, it's always the more impactful. You know, like, sure. yeah, Cedric. He, I just love Cedric as a character as well. Though. Like he's just such a pure person you know yeah, exactly and also like like that, that's why like uh like dumbledore's eulogy like when he's like when he he describes him as, as a fierce friend and like that's such a brilliant way to describe someone mm-hmm. and that's what makes it like even like you know even more soul crushing uh, there's nothing cooler than a popular kid who's also you know pretty dope you know what i mean yeah kind of like you what <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if popular goes well with me but i appreciate cool. it um wow high compliments yeah um and uh moving on from uh harry potter and uh my feelings of cedric um i rewatched mission impossible again um fallout 
Um, and I, I, I moved that up to a 10. I don't know why I denied myself the first time. Like, I mean, I watched it too. I like the fact that I can watch it two weeks later and still be just as thoroughly entertained and just as enthralled and just as invested. Yeah. And this time impre- appreciate so much more about it too. Um, yeah, uh, like Mission Impossible 4, that's like the perfect action film. Um, because it's more than just an action film as well. You know, it's, 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 it actually has good drama, good mystery. I think that's like one of the best things about Mission Impossible series, the way that they craft their mysteries as well. I guess it kind of is predictable. I think I mentioned it when I first watched it, like the fact that it, you know, the series has always been about betrayals and double crossing. So you always have that, but the way that it undertakes it is, 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 is great, you know? Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love the, uh, right up like scene from Mission Impossible too. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Fitzy. Fitzy. Huh? The only thing we talk about too is Hans and the score and that's it. God, let's just forget two existed. Um, and then I watched some. Uh, oh, sorry, have you got have you got more to say about? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I've got more to say about two. Yeah. Um, like you know, when he went in with the mask. Wait, no, he put the mask on the other person, and like he couldn't tell him. That, that was a great, good moment. And uh, I don't appreciate this. We're talking about one of the great action franchises. Okay, I'm I'm right up there with Jay, and I appreciate that he's right into it now. But I don't like this. You're bringing it down, Fitzy, you know? I don't like it. I'm just telling you scenes that I liked from number two. Right. And um, the end scene where he, like, kicks up the gun and from the, you know, the sand. I used to try and uh, do that with a friend. Because I liked oh, it so much. I've got, a, uh, I've got a challenge for you, Jane. I mean, Fallout, dude, so well shot. I love, oh, God, I love that movie. But, uh. Can you pick a favorite moment from Fallout? Um, yeah, I, I I can I think. Um, it's a uh, it's, it's it's when he first learns about the plan to to steal, uh, Sean Harris back, and like you know we we, we get the scene, but we we uh, obviously when we get it we don't realize it's you know just his vision, but like uh, the the way that mm. sound apart from you know just like 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 Lawn school, which is so brilliant that I've ordered it you know, on vinyl. Um, and like, and like, like the way, the way that plays out, it's so cinematic and it's like, the, it's so brilliant and like the way it's executed and the way that everything occurs and like, it all leads to Tom Cruise standing over this one police officer as he's like pressured to shoot him. And then you're like, Oh, oh my God, did he actually do that? But it just cuts back to that. And like, while usually the, like traditionally, like if, if a sequence like that occurs, it's kind of a punch in the face. But I think the way it's executed in that film is just so brilliant and so, tense and so emotional and so fantastic i'm not sure if it is my favorite but it's it's it's, it's, a, it's definitely a standout for me oh dude it's so hard to choose yeah oh my god like, how, like every act in that movie has like standout like amazing moments i love the first act when they trick the dude into giving away the uh the plans mm-hmm. like by pretending that it's already happened and they have the fake cnn presented like that shit's awesome yeah. getting into that stuff in the second act the entire yeah. Friggin, friggin' bit in Rome. Holy shit, dude! That that's next level. The yeah, when the like punches line up to the music and the in the toilet scene. Oh the yeah, scene, that's fucking epic. Oh and the, yeah, how could I forget about the skydive? Holy shit! And I wasn't even completely forgot about that. And just everything with Henry Cavill in the chopper at the end. Oh my lord! Even uh, even just like um, even at the end, like when when they when they cut the wire and it just cuts to white. 
and the when it fades in, you know, it's 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 Tom Cruise looking at the horizon. But for a second, you're tricked into thinking he's looking at like you know an atom cloud, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> no! And like it, it, it turns out it's alright, which I mean, you know, it's kind of I I I guess it's always going to be alright. But like the way it's crafted, the the fact that an action movie made me doubt everything's going to be alright is fantastic and absolutely brilliant. You know. The scores, oh my god, everything about it, but yeah, yeah, dude, you're making me want to watch it right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll really watch it two, Saturday, two, two Saturdays in a row. I'm down for that. Oh my god, that's awesome. Um, yeah, and then I watched some more Hitchcock, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that was my week. What do you mean, some more Hitchcock? I watched uh, Notorious and uh, Saboteur, which are two more of his films. Uh, sure. Notorious was uh, decent, not that great. Uh, but Ingrid Bergman was in there, and man, she's such a brilliant actress. I mean, you know. One of a kind, really. Um, and then the saboteur was a better movie, in my opinion. It was just told a better story. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I love Hitchcock films. They're so great. They're so entertaining. They're brilliant little, you know, murder mysteries, but action, I guess, and like adventure because they travel, you know, countries and you know, like from from Miami to Brazil or from you know the east to the west coast or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, I think I think Hitchcock's a brilliant director and brilliant storyteller. And like as I'm watching more of his films, you know, you can tell, you can tell each film is his due to like because he has this common not in every not in every film, but he has this common theme of like you know, uh, false uh, false accusation, and you know then the hero has to try and prove his innocence. Um, oh. The way that it, it's done in each one, well, this is his early stuff anyway. Like as as, as um. As it went on, he, he, he kind of changed because, like, if you look at things like Rewindow and Psycho and Vertigo, it's a bit different. But um, his early mystery films, they kind of have that thread. But like the way they're all told is brilliant. Well, now it's time for a question of the show. I wish there was some way to make the transition between segments a bit less jarring. I don't know. I feel like it's inevitable. I, but anyway, just in, in in post, you know, just chuck a little guitar riff. <laughs> That'd be funny. Okay. That's not a bad idea. Like, like a little Seinfeld type thing, you know, just like just to play you out to the commercial and back in, you know? Huh. I actually don't hate it. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, Okay, the fact that you've made me consider that for more than five seconds is actually, yeah, pretty impressive. Okay. Maybe, maybe you'll see it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Our question of the show last week, we asked you, what was the first movie you ever saw in the theatre? And uh, I thought that was a good question. I had to do some research, but Luke wrote in and said, I don't think I can remember what the first movie was I saw in the cinema. Well, thanks, Luke. But uh, no, he goes on. The earliest I can remember is going to see Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Great movie to see as your first. Mm. Oh, that would have been awesome. I would love to have seen that in the movies. Mm. I regret being only, like, what, 10 when the last Harry Potter film came out, so I never really got to experience one of the movies, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. I never got to go to the cinemas to watch one. Really? I definitely saw Deathly Hallows Parts 1 and 2 in theatres for sure. Mm. I enjoyed that. But nothing before it, unfortunately. Lachlan says, I think the first movie I saw in theatres was Wall-E. Not Wall-E, but, you know, Wall-E. I thoroughly enjoy the movie now for the nostalgia wow. and the memories of simpler times. Lucky, that got to, that got to be dark at the end there, honestly. <laughs> Memories, <laughs> the memories of simpler times. But Jane, what was the first movie you saw in the theater? 
if you know, what was the closest you can get? I'm pretty sure it was Cars 2006. Uh, oh, that's right. You said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just have this memory of like, you know how it is. It's just like five-year-olds in cinemas and how, you, you know, they just dick around and they don't pay attention because you have the attention span of a goldfish and it's just three seconds and you just, you know, yeah, you look around, you plant the seat a bit. Like I'd, I'd never take a five-year-old to, to, to a cinema. Like like having this knowledge in hindsight, like, yeah, like no. But uh, yeah, that, 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 that was my first experience of uh, a cinema, I'm pretty sure. Like just watching Cars. Hell yeah, nice. Oh, and Wilson? Tra- uh, traumatized you maybe? Yeah, I, like honestly, I don't even think I paid that much attention to the film apart from when it was racing. Like, I don't think I properly experienced that film until like a good like you know, like seven years later when I actually had a decent attention span. I don't. Yeah, I don't think my parents confirmed this. I don't think. Yeah, I've never had an issue with attention span watching things. Like, I've always just put me in front of a screen. I mean, yeah, <laughs> makes sense to where I am now. But uh, put me in front of a screen. I don't, I'll. Uh, Actually, maybe it doesn't make much sense. I get bored in movies actually pretty easily, I feel like. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, what about you, Fitzy? Well, apparently, um, my mum used to go to these um, mum group sessions called crybaby sessions where you bring your baby or toddler, in this case me, um, with other mums and their toddlers and babies um, and you like watch a movie together or something and um, obviously I was like two so um, this is all going off her word but uh, apparently it was a uh, fighting Nemo the first thing. Hang on you, you've, you've opened up a bit of a can of worms here with this personal story. I need to get to the bottom of it a little bit. Hmm. This was in the theatre for sure? Uh, apparently. Apparently you like Geelong. So, they have like of sessions, like the theater runs like sessions for mums with babies and toddlers and stuff to yank them away from society. Interesting. Wouldn't that just be like the worst experience of all time? Yeah. Like, did you can't shut up a two year old? Yeah, I think. I think there's like eight of them in the room. Isn't that like part of the point though? I mean, like, to like get away from people's. Like being annoyed by, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. So then they can all cry in the one room and make it impossible to hear for them, but not. Yeah, okay, okay. Mm. I mean, to be fair, like I get, I get a bit of that logic. Like at least you know, it makes sure that it ruins the experience of all the mums only, and not everyone else. Because of course, mums, you know, their life isn't already entirely ruined by their toddlers. Wrong, do you say? What was that? Someone doesn't like kids, I guess. No, I, I, yeah. no, I don't mind kids. No. What makes you say that? Because you said that their lives are ruined by toddlers. What? No, no, no. I didn't say anything. <laughs> no? no? We'll have no, it back. So, like, I can't really remember that, though, you know. Um, but, like, one of the first movies I do remember, like, I have a vague memory that I was in the theatres when I saw it was a... Uh, Flushed away. Um, oh, dude. I, right. I don't know right. why, but I just know that I saw that movie in the theaters. Um, yeah. Huh. I think I worked out uh, why I love Transformers so much because it was one of my first cinema experiences. I'm pretty sure, like, after Cars, 
like the next thing I saw in the mid mm. was transformed. Mm. So I have a feeling uh, my attachment to the series may be because of my childhood feelings. Maybe. Michael Bay's incredible directions just always stuck with you. Yeah. Wow. I remember the, uh, the, 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 the sand scorpion scene very vividly. I don't know why, but it stuck with me. Is that in, that's not in two? No, it's in one. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know more than me, that's for sure. I don't know if I've seen a Transformers movie start to finish. I'll be saying that when we do it for the series. Oh, Christ. <laughs> so you then watch Age of Extinction, Fitzy, from start to finish, you'll love it. Oh, no. I rewatched it like two weeks ago, and like I, I couldn't even make it through. I, I genuinely fell asleep during it, and I was, I felt so guilty. I was like, but how can I do this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I did see that in the theaters. That was the first movie I think maybe I'd ever seen that made me realize, wow, you can be critical of movies, you know? My, like my little brain hadn't comprehended at that point. Like, holy shit, movies can be really bad. I still stand by it. Like, I like I love the feelings it gives me. Like, like, like just earlier, like when you know, like the when you first see the Transformers and stuff. And like I said, like you know, like I, I still love Lockdown's theme from it. So I think it, I think the film does have its pluses, but like, it, oh sure, yeah, it's a hundred percent the worst one. Okay. Okay. Well, uh. I feel like Transformers is very much a recurring theme on this show, but that's fine. Um, I'm very happy. Mine, yeah. <laughs> mine was, uh, what was it? Oh, yeah, TMNT, the uh, the animated one, that, that reboot that they attempted to do, you know? The 2006 animated one, I think? Yeah, yeah. I definitely I definitely remembered that. Um, so I was curious, was there one before it? And my mum was relatively confident that I was correct. So, so yeah, there you go. Um, I wish we'd gotten some, you know, more variation in comments. I would have loved to have seen someone go, you know, my first film I ever saw in the theatre was um, bloody, you know, Eight and a Half or some shit, you know, or like uh, or Psycho or so, you know, something like that, even Jaws. I feel like we're just exposed as like toddlers. Mm. Yeah, we were kids once apparently. Yeah, exactly. I, I was taking a deep breath to prepare for the outro so I don't stuff it up, you know? Uh, I still will, though. But thank you, everyone, for tuning into Cinema Effect this week. We appreciate your time. Fitzy, what are we watching next week? We're uh, watching um, a little film called uh, Blade Runner 2049, directed by... Terrible movie. Denis, yes, Denis uh, Villeneuve. Um... And that that's on Netflix. Yeah. Too easy. Too easy. I'm excited. I wonder where it's gonna rank compared to Blade Runner. Hmm. Yeah. It'll, it'll I'll be a hard choice. Go anyway. <laughs> I've only seen it once, haven't seen it since theaters. So I'm excited to watch it again. Cool. But yeah. But yeah. Every pause I just imagined maybe I'd put a Seinfeld thing there, but of course that wasn't a transition between segments, so yeah. I guess that would have just been a pause. Yep. Play us out, Finny. It, it, don't don't worry, just just cut that bit, just cut it. Yeah, <laughs> I was making a joke, but no one laughed, and it was just awkward and silent, and then it just moved on. But, uh, yeah, no, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot, but then I was trying to think of maybe I could make some tune with my mouth, but then that uh, would have been terrible. Oh uh, yeah, no, I, I think you're glad I didn't. Yeah, that, that would have been worse. Oh well, this show just ended in the best way it always does.
pretty standard for us anyway. Thanks, guys, for talking movies. Appreciate you. Oh. I just hear the regret in Fitzy's voice. Like, oh, I could have spent two hours doing something else. But, uh, but yeah, all right. We'll see you all next time. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your week, and goodbye.